seconds. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so I think we're good now. <clears throat> okay. Hi, everyone, and welcome to episode 12 of Full Impact. We're covering episode 12 of the series. Uh, this one's titled, The Value of a Miracle is... Dot, dot, dot. Or, she said, quote... Don't make others suffer for your personal hatred. How metal is that? Uh, I'm your host, Nick, as always. And, as always, with me is the bougie Allison. (laughs) That's me. Hi, guys. (laughs) I love it. Also know the dance to it. Hope everyone's doing well out there. Uh, I think we've said this a million times before, but there's a lot going on today. Here, give me a second. It says it's giving me poor connection. I don't know why. Okay. You why start is over? Well, I don't understand why it's, I'm having poor connection because you sound a little funky sometimes. Mm-hmm. And this is the first time I've gotten this message before. Hmm. Well, it went away now. Here, try talking. Okay. Can you hear me now? Yeah, I think it sounds good now. Okay. No, I'm gonna turn my Wi-Fi off on my phone just in case. Don't wanna be sucking it up over there. Anyways, you know, I'm pretty sure we've said it at least two or three times, but this one is big. It is (laughs) big. It just got bigger and bigger every time. Pretty much. Yeah, we're we're getting into, and I think I, I had mentioned this before that you know, unlike other series, this doesn't really have seasons. But in my estimation, we would be right around season two right now, and and this is where things start to really pick up, and you're going to start hearing some more history of things. So it's it's a really good one. Yeah, it's this is definitely. If you've ever asked someone to, like, watch The Office, you always have to be like, oh, you have to get over the first season, you know? Like, that's the hump. But after that, you know, it gets better and better. And then you can go back and really enjoy the first season. Just because some of the jokes are so cringy and whatnot, you know? (laughs) That is very true. Um, But, yeah. I mean, and, yeah, a rewatch always is... You get a different perspective of things. But if this is your first time watching through... Um, and that that's kind of where we are. Would be right around season two if you were tracking it on a on a normal series scale. Yeah, and it's not that the first eleven episodes are bad by anything, but they were a lot more. You know, bad guy pops up, we kill him. Lesson of the day, moving on. Um, and this is probably the more the turning point where we start to really get into more background and lore and deeper concepts and definitely take a a sharp turn from the direction we were heading in previously yeah i'd I'd agree with that there's going to be a lot flying at us so yeah let's let's get it going yeah so we start off what in 2000 a.d here 2000 um we get this just like barren wasteland that just you can't even really make out where it's supposed to be it could be in a desert when you see it at first but then you see you know this uh, man dressed in very warm clothes, uh, carrying a bloody girl. Um, he's bloodied as well. Um, and you see his just like melted hand going over this thing, and he's just all shooken up um, to like open this latch. Um, and for the like 
briefest of seconds if you're not looking for it you miss it um there's a shot that shows this glowing figure in the background this massive glowing figure is super duper quick and it changes but if you miss it the first time go back it's worth it it's just like and you miss it but it's there it is and there. It's important yeah so this guy he's just dripping blood over this girl and we're like i mean this is a different opening than we're used to this is so uh dramatic and serious yeah, normally we have a flashback um, kind of inserted somewhere in the series, but this is the first time I think that we've started off with one. Um, you know, we're 15 years in the past and, you know, it's it's kind of, they don't tell you where we are, but you can kind of figure out maybe where we are. Yeah. All right. Let's, you know, we have this man over this uh, girl. Um, we have, we don't know who he is. We don't know who she is. Um, but she apparently is trying to save her from something. Um, puts her in the capsule. Uh, she calls him dad. So, I mean, hey, establish a relationship. Mm-hmm. And then just the whole thing just goes to shit. <laughs> Real quick. Essentially, yes. <laughs> Um, but Just we like, kind of can we kind of can infer who this is before we really know because if we if we pay attention um, when uh, this man is carrying the the girl both of them are bleeding pretty bad um, and when she stands up out of the capsule uh, she's wearing that very specific necklace that somebody that we know wears so I kind of I kind of I kind of had an idea let's say yes. who it could be. But before that, we see these, like, massive wings protrude out of the atmosphere, or into the atmosphere from Antarctica, just, like, consuming, like, what seems to be, like, an entire hemisphere. A good chunk of it, yes. It kind of, it, it reminded me of a watermelon, the way that it looked, because it was, like, the, the globe part was green, and then this huge red sore with these wings coming out of it. It was pretty cool, but it's it, very menacing. Yeah, and very creepy. Like, it like, they look like, they're, like, veiny, like, bat wings or something, you know? They're not, like, nice, pretty bird wings. Right, they almost look like they were, like hot you know <laughs> like, mm-hmm. like rods or heat or something was was happening there yeah but they were definitely creepy yeah so after this explosion thing that clearly took this man out <laughs> um we see the girl the capsule opens and she stands up it's like raining fire or something um and we see her wearing the necklace as you said before and this is where we really have it like at the forefront and um if we've been paying attention to the show you know we know that there's only one other character that we know of that wears that necklace and that's our girl misato that is our girl misato yes it is so this gives us a great starting point so now we're we're, we're kind of figuring out as where we're headed with this episode we're going to get some good information because i know that that it's been alluded to what's that she has a past but we don't know any specifics about it so hopefully we're going to get some answers here yeah and this is another little thing that they kind of spoon feed us here because if you didn't recognize the necklace um from when she stood up in the capsule then we immediately cut to present day misato um 
hooking her bra up, um, and we see the like giant scar on her chest, and then even then it just it flashes to the necklace itself. So it's really okay. bocking us on the head with it. <laughs> Seriously, and if we uh, remember a couple episodes ago, um, you know we we were initially introduced to Miss M Scar when they were having their little topless picnic out on the the ledge there. Um, so we knew something had happened, and so now you know we kind of we have more information now about the origin of that scar. Indeed, and I mean, based on. You know, the timing and the place, um, I think based like when the teacher was talking way early in the series and based on, I think, Ritsuko telling Shinji that the meteor um, story about the second impact was a sham, we can kind of start to infer that that we might have just witnessed uh, part of what actually happened in the second impact. I, I think that would be an excellent inference. It's what I it's where my mind went to. It's the right region from what they were talking about. And, you know, we kind of pointed out that, that that information was glazed over not only by the kids in the class, but potentially by people watching as well. So just to reiterate that point is that, you know, it was they explained that it was it was something that had happened in Antarctica and that was right around the region where we see. So a, a good a good comparison could be made. Indeed. Um, so then we get, you know, the boys. We got Toji, uh, tracksuit, right? Yep. And Kensuke glasses. Yep. And our boy Shinji, uh, hanging out inside because it's raining out, so they're trying to dry off. Um, Shinji talks how that Misato's been working a lot, um, and like doing all nighters, so she, I think he thinks that she's sleeping right now or something. So they're trying to be quiet, I think. Yes, that is correct. She, he's, He says that she's been pulling a lot of long nights, so they just assume that she's asleep, yeah. Yeah, and then Asuka being, you know, the loud American that she is, uh, it's like, what are you doing here? <laughs> yeah, and, and I, I think, too, like, one of the things um, that I wanted to make note of was uh, I, I liked... I liked the boys in this scene, kind of having respect for Miss M. Not that they haven't had respect for her, because they certainly do, but, you know, it was kind of an oogly sort of respect, but I think, you know, they're really trying hard to be, to give her a little peace, and of course Asuka, the foil of all of that comes in, but I gotta give the boys credit here. I mean, they weren't creepy, they weren't weird, they were actually really being uh, thoughtful of Miss M, so I, I, I appreciated that. Yeah, I think it was good. I think it's good that they're you know, showing a little respect. They're not just a bunch of little bratty little kids. Pervy boys. Pervy boys. Swarmy. <laughs> Swarmy boys, yeah. <laughs> Breaking the swarmy cycle. Yeah, and you know, Misato's not even sleeping. She's ready to go. She is ready to go. She's up with the up with the sun. She is a certified bab. Boss ass bitch. <laughs> <laughs> Can't mess with her. Nope. Yeah, I love her little half coat, her her outfits. I don't know, and everything seems to go with that purple hair. So. Mm-hmm. Yep, and you know, the Misato fan club, not our fan club, the one in the show of Kensuke and Aida, they, you know, they don't miss a beat on, you know, congratulating her on her promotion, one that, uh, you know, Shinji and Asuka didn't even know anything about. Yeah, which is, it, it kind of, I think draws a, a attention to that like why do the two kids that are closest to her and work closely with her not 
really notice that. And I think the answer to that is, is because they're both wrapped up in their own heads and what they're, what they're tasked to do, which, you know, is a lot. So I can understand that. Uh, but they don't seem to be focused on anything else other than that, uh, especially Miss Emma. And this is a big deal. I mean, the boys are, are super excited for her. Yeah. Well, here's here. I have a couple couple of things to pick your brain with. With right. that. Firstly, I don't think that Toji would have noticed it at all. I think it was all Kensuke because oh, he's because he's up on the military garb, so he knows what's up. Mm-hmm. Um, secondly, I think that's probably why Shinji Nasuka didn't notice because they it's such a small detail and they wouldn't even know what it means. Like okay. the. Secondly, I don't think that Misato would have even mentioned anything about it because I don't think that she really cares about that, it. That's that's a valid point. Um, but I think, well, yeah, I guess I hadn't thought of it that way. But it, it, initially, I just assumed that it was because they just weren't paying attention because they were too wrapped up with what they were doing. But, and Miss M up to this point doesn't really flaunt her rank a lot. She doesn't seem to, to make that a big deal. So yeah, I guess maybe she wouldn't want to make it public knowledge. Um, but I still think the two kids are up in their own heads, but. Oh yeah, definitely. <laughs> that the goes world, without saying. The world revolves around the two of them. Yes. Just in different ways. Yes. Correct. Um, but I do, I feel, I get the feeling that Misato thinks that this promotion is kind of like, empty yeah you know, no, it doesn't I don't, really I, mean anything yeah because i don't think she's in it for the ranks i don't think that's what she's i mean it, based on her behavior in a lot of these situations she bucks the system she doesn't listen to the people around her she makes a lot of instinctual decisions so she's not trying to gain any favors here or win anybody over but so that's what makes what leads me to believe anyway that she's she's really not in it for the the ranks and the accolades. She's got to have another purpose for being there, which we don't really know yet. But based on her behavior, I would say that she doesn't really care about that. Yeah. Well, food for thought. It's, ex- it's it's you know good to bring up and again we encourage our listeners if you guys have differing opinions on any of this we would love to hear it or if you agree with us and you just want to pat us on the back that would be great too fullimpactpodcast at gmail.com hit us up <laughs> tippity type yep um, so shortly after Shinji and Asuka you know get scolded by Kensuke and Toji for not noticing and being too self-centered we transition over to a test that they're doing at Nerf, um, you know, like a sink test of sorts where they're in the in their plugs. Um, and I believe it's Ritsuko that says to try lowering the graph depth another 0.3. Um, I don't think that they've really talked about that before, the graph depth or anything. Am I- Am I right in saying uh, you that? You are correct in saying that. It was something that I actually had written down um, to, to ask about. So, yeah, I, I, I don't think we have heard about it before. And so, they, they, we've never really seen the, the three of them together in this kind of testing scenario. Uh, you know, we've seen them in battle situations, but this is the first training of the three of them that we've seen too. I think Mike, I could be wrong about that, but I, I'm pretty sure that that's true. Yeah. I don't think we've seen them train or test together. We've just seen them fight together. 
Right, right. And like have to come up on the fly with with plans, Uh, nothing that they've ever coordinated. Now, Shinji and uh, Asuka with their dance off. But but Ray was just kind of in the background, like a backup. She's never really been a part of, um, you know, the triple threat. Yeah. Well, can't really go into too much. This is we're getting into the part of the series where there's there's a plethora of information that needs to be said, but you can only reveal just a teeny tiny bit because it's just so spoilery. Right. And so, we do not want to be a spoiler podcast, let's be clear. We we kind of we want to take this journey with you and and go through these scene by scene and and kind of break it all down without really revealing a lot going into yeah. it. Although you have to understand for those of us who have seen it before, it is difficult, <laughs> but we're going to, we're going to do our best. Yeah. I don't, we don't want to reveal anything that you shouldn't know at this point. Um, we might point out something that, you know, you may have missed that, you know, it was in a previous episode, but nothing that's going to ruin anything in the future. Yes. So. I, I, on that train. So with that in mind, we can talk about the graph depth a little bit without, uh, you know, ruining anything. Um, so the plugs that they're in that we see them in all the time, uh, they're pretty big. They're pretty long. Um, basically, they can the seat that they sit in can move up and down that tube. And essentially, the farther down the tube they go, the more dangerous it gets for them. Um, but at the same point, it can also allow them sometimes to, I believe, uh, have a higher sink rate than they normally would have. So it's kind of a give and take. Um, but when they get lower, and you, if you see the like the screen with the, the like test results that they're doing right now, um, with the three of them, it says the top of it's labeled mental toxic- toxicity level. Um, and it says elapsed time, uh, you know, two hours, which is a long time. Just be sitting in that tube. Um, and it says LCL purity, 99.99%. And then we have the three kids. Um, and we can see that all three of them are in this, like, little caution zone. And to the right is, uh, like, a little danger zone. And so basically what Ritsuko is trying to do is by putting Shinji in a more uh, dangerous situation a little bit, she's trying to push and get results, higher results out of it. She's testing limits, essentially. What the limits of their sink are. And, you know, I I think this is also accumulation of some of the data they've gotten from some of the angel attacks that we've seen. So I think, you know, Glove's whole plan of going on the offense is what they're trying to to test out right now. Like, how what, what are their limits? What are their capabilities? And I, do you think it's it's deliberate that Shinji is is pushed harder than anybody else? Um, to an extent, I think it's interesting that they never really seem to try with Ray. Yes. They don't really, they don't really push her at all. No. She seems uh, like she seems like the uh, always a bridesmaid, never a bride. If anyone knows that expression, like yeah, you know, she's always in the mix somehow, and she's there, and she's you know she knows the plan if she ever needs to step in, and she does have somewhat of a you know auxiliary role. But yeah, it it never seems to be her heading up any of these missions. 
Yeah. And they don't need to push Asuka because she's already, you know, quite a bit ahead of Shinji. Right. Um, but I think it is interesting that, you know, even though Asuka... Say that, whatever, the middle point of their plug is at 50 and the, the top is 100 and the bottom of the plug is zero. Asuka's sink rate at 50... Um, it's higher than Shinji's, even if they push him down to the more dangerous levels. So it's kind of like a. I think they're just trying to see what they can do with him. Okay. But but it is interesting though that he is improving fast. He is, and I, and we've seen that from the beginning. I mean, he he's he definitely. In, in so many situations, just thrown into that suit for the first time and being able to do what he did, um, saving Oscar, you know, a, a couple episodes ago. Um, so yeah, he's, he seems to be he seems to be a standout amongst the three as far as just ability to catch on quickly. Yeah, and you know they never tell Oscar, you know, like great job keeping up your numbers or anything like that, you know. They're just, like, focused on Shinji, it seems. Yeah, I think Asuka does enough cheerleading for herself and has a, a, a good enough self-esteem at this point that they can see that I, I don't think that kind of encouragement is required for her. She seems to have that natural drive, that natural leadership in her, um, and they don't really need to foster that in her like they, they may need to do in Shinji because he's, he's a fencer. You know, I, I agree that she's definitely very confident um, in her abilities, but I think that it's also pretty fragile. I think that even, you know, even just with Shinji improving his score, even though she's still quite a bit a ways ahead of him, I think her sense of self is like taking some hits. Oh, it's starting to crack. That's for sure. That's for sure. And so I think that she acts like she doesn't need it and that she's like, you know, I'm the best. But I think she actually does need someone giving her that sort of attention. And she still isn't getting it from anybody. Fair enough. I uh, I, I think, yeah, I, I, up she had never been challenged either. She was kind of the best and the only. And so she had a very inflated sense of self. And now she's been put in a situation where there are other people who have the same similar ability to her. And she's really never been put in that position before. Um, when you're a confident person, I don't think that really goes away. But where that confidence is being drawn from can be different. And and before it was inherent in her because she just had it. But now she's seeing it in other people and it's threatening her her own confidence yeah i think her sense of self is entirely dependent on her being number one and if she feels that's threatened then her entire like core is just gonna melt right that's her identity is being the best at something and that can be a very difficult standard to uphold and she's she's setting herself up for for something here yeah so and obviously, Asuka's not happy about it. Raised indifferent, as always. <laughs> Love her. <laughs> she just goes with the flow. She does. Like a twig on the shoulders of a mighty stream. Oh, jeez. <laughs> uh, for those of you who do know that reference, it's uh, Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. Shout out to all my 80s movies lovers out there. If you know it, email us. 
<laughs> gets like one email in 10 years be like i got that reference <laughs> somebody out there that's listening has seen that movie loves it watches it every thanksgiving and will email me to tell me that they get it <laughs> i know you're out there somewhere so we're back in the car um we're not back in the car we're in the car with misato and shinji um and they're you know shinji congratulates her on her promotion um but they kind of talk about um him getting praised and i think i wrote in my notes that he i mean he says that he didn't really like being praised but i think that he definitely needs it but as we'll find out later he needs it from a specific person yeah um i i I think he doesn't like the praise because I feel like he doesn't think he deserves it in some way. Whereas Asuka is craving it and needs it. And so she tends to downplay and and this, you know, that previous scene, she's basically downplaying all of his success. You know, she just, she's always, you know, calling calling him idiot Shinji, you know, like that's just her way of, of, you know, kind of lowering him to increase herself, especially because no one else is doing it at this point. Yeah. Um, and she, he asks her why Asuka always gets angry. And Misao says that she gets she's angry because uh, Shinji is always worried about what other people what other people think. Do you do you agree with that? Um, I, yes and no. I think Shinji is searching doesn't have an internal reason to do really anything Uh, well there's really one reason but um with asuka i think it's more that i don't know she needs the attention but i don't think that she needs it to do what she's doing whereas shinji needs it to do what he's doing do you know what i mean i don't know if that makes any sense what do you think i think it seems to me, I feel like she gets angry at Shinji for a few reasons. I think that she thinks that he's worried about what everybody else thinks about him, except for her, almost. And we've seen her try to kind of get his attention, and he hasn't really given it. And I think it's because he's so just, like, lost and focused on this almost unachievable goal that even if he did get it, it's really not going to fulfill him at all. But they're like, that's just like all he has basically. So I think that's partly why she's always mad at him. But I think it's also just because he's becoming a threat to, you know, who she thinks she is as a person. And, and I think too, Asuka is the type of person that has an internal drive. You know, not everyone has that. Some people need external uh, factors to, to motivate them. Neither one is good or bad. It's just however you as an individual deals with it. And I think when you are the opposite of that, you look at it as a weakness. I think she looks at, at Shinji as being weak because he, he can't really make a decision on his own. She, as we've seen in a lot of these missions, has just, like Miss M, has taken the initiative to just do it and get it done and have a lot of confidence, whether she knows she can do it or not. Shinji's waiting for somebody to tell him what to do. And I think that's one of the things she doesn't like about him is that he should just have his own mind and do what he wants to do and and she but he just follows orders you know i mean we've seen him open up his manual and like (laughs) you know yeah so 
he's just they're just very different personalities and when and and so with Shinji you know Asuka's confidence and drive is something he doesn't understand and sees it as you know my hate word bossy and you know demanding and all of those things but it's it's because that's just something internal within her that he doesn't have on the flip you know Asuka doesn't understand how someone like Shinji couldn't just do it you know it just neither one of them I think can really understand where the other is coming from but both of them need something to get them there yeah all the way there I mean I've said this before but in case we have you haven't if anyone's watching for the first time in case you haven't really gotten there yet or you're just starting to like peel back that lid all all of our characters are so flawed it's not even funny yeah well as we all are. And that's what makes these kind of shows interesting is that, you know, you, as people, that's what makes us interesting. We're complex. There's a lot of things going on. And I think we're, we're starting to peel away some layers of all of these main characters that, that a lot of things are going to become a little bit more clear as to, you know, why they're doing what they're doing. Yeah. Honestly, I think the only, and this is kind of a nice little transition. I think the most innocent characters on this show are class rep, and Kensuke. <laughs> yeah, really. <laughs> They're pretty much kind of flat. <laughs> Everyone else has some baggage. Yeah, yeah. That's true. Um, but speaking of class rep, we see her and the gang at this little party that um, Toji and Kensuke threw for Misato. Um, we see that Misato's drinking the Boa beer again. She hasn't switched back to Yebisu, you know, pending legal lawsuits and whatnot. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Uh, class rep is holding pen pen, which is what she was doing last time she was over. Just hey, maybe moving. she's just an animal lover, and you know, yeah. there's always that one person at the party that loves the animal, and you know, the dog will come sit on their lap. Class reps that girl. Yeah, but just note that she seems to have a an infinity for pen pen. I mean, who wouldn't? But. Yeah, and she's always wearing her uniform, like a good class rep. Like, everybody else is, like, in kind of, like, street clothes, but she's always in her uniform. Mm-hmm. Uh, just a little quick note. <laughs> so while the class rep and Asuka, who, I mean, Asuka invited class rep because they're, like, little buddy buddies, which is good. I'm glad Asuka has somebody. But while they're, like, going back and forth, um, Shinji and Misato kind of have, like, this little off-stage bonding sesh for a quick minute. Yep. Um, and then, before actually I get into that, um, I think Classrep asks about Kaji, asks if like he's coming or something like that, and asks you know if he's really as cool as you know, Asuka's made her out to be, made him out to be. And I just think it's really sad how like, how much of a pedestal Asuka puts on, puts Kaji on. Oh, no one is more irritated by that than me because I think Ponytail is just the schwarmiest. But um, and I think that he's it's it's a mixed signal and he's not he's not defining his role with Asuka clear enough. And I mean, she's a kid. He's an adult and he, he just isn't handling that relationship very well, in, in my opinion, um, and just. 
just a quick note too, like when Asuka and class rep like kind of look at each other in the animation, like the way they do it, it kind of reminded me of like Mean Girls <laughs> <laughs> when they meet for the first time. And like, I don't know, it just kind of flashed in my mind, but because I, I could see Asuka being that that Mean Girl, and she had oh, yeah. kind of to bend to Ray a little bit, and so, but I like you said, I'm kind of glad that she's at least acknowledging that other people exist, which for Asuka is a big deal, you know. <clears throat> when she first arrived on the scene, it was kind of like she didn't care to know anybody's name or who anybody was. So now at least she, her and, and you know, class rep are, are out tight and out of sight. So good for her, I guess, finding a friend. But yes, it, back into to Miss M and Shinji's moment at the table here. Yeah, so basically Misano asked him if he's still like uncomfortable with these kinds of social situations and I think he says yeah. I think he says something like he doesn't know like why they're so loud or something like that. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Why they have to be so loud. Mm-hmm. And like I totally get that. <laughs> I know you do. <laughs> see, I, I I see it from the other side where I lived the loud, um, and I d- didn't really know any other way than that. So I, I with but with Shinji, um, you know, he, it's everybody's just kind of arguing at the table. And I, I mean, not terrible or anything bad. It's just loud and like i said I, I lived in loud so i can understand but for someone who didn't like like shinji i mean he he hasn't had a lot of people around him it's just been him so it's got to be very jaunting and 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 you know difficult for him to be in that situation yeah yeah are you are you trying to imply that when you were younger you may have had asuka like qualities <laughs> i plead the fifth <laughs> Um, no, no, I, I, there, there, I will admit, no, there were and are. I mean, you don't, you don't stop being who you are um, just because you get older, despite what people may tell you. Uh, the, those inherent things within you are always going to be there. And yeah, I was a bossy kid. Ask my sister. <laughs> <laughs> but and but as as long as you use your powers for good instead of bad, um, you know it's it's you just got to use use it in the right way. And I think Asuka just hasn't hasn't had enough life experience yet to know how to use her powers for good. But it's in there. It's the, the trust me. <laughs> she has the potential. <laughs> yeah, that's very true. Um, so Shinji inquires about her promotion again. Um, and Misato says that she can't remember why she joined Nerf. Um, do you think that she's blatantly lying to Shinji? Um, I don't think she's blatantly lying. I think she's just waiting for the right time to tell him, or maybe she's still figuring it out. Um, you know, and things change. Your motivation can change, and your your reasons for doing stuff. Uh, so I don't know. I, I I don't think it's I don't think it's that she really I don't know. <laughs> I don't want to give too much away from what she's thinking, but I don't think she's intentionally lying to him. I don't think she ever intentionally does anything to harm Shinji. I think she's just waiting for an appropriate time to talk to him about it. So you think that she might be withholding something for the sake of um, almost keeping him safe or not harming him? Yeah. Yeah, because sometimes, you know, you think by withholding stuff, you're protecting that person, you know, and and maybe whatever story she's got or whatever the reason is might sway things that he's decisions he's going to make. And she doesn't want to unfairly do that to him. Or maybe she just doesn't want to talk about it. I mean, there could be a lot of reasons, but I don't think she at at this point, the relationship they have, I, I don't think she would lie to him. 
But I think she's she's withholding something. Lying by omission, if you will. I gotcha. So immediately following that, Kaji arrives with Ritsuko. Um, and just a quick thing, I just saw this. He says that he came straight from headquarters and like ran into Ritsuko. But they're both wearing casual clothes. Mm-hmm. So I'm wondering if they brought a change of clothes or if they didn't come straight from headquarters. I don't think they came straight from headquarters. And here's the total opposite situation of what we just discussed. I think that Ponytail never is telling the truth to anybody. <laughs> it's I, there's there's something he's got an agenda and I don't like it. All right. Well, <laughs> there it is. There's the hot take. <laughs> I don't think they came straight from headquarters. I think um, that they were definitely somewhere else. Do you think they were doing some fishy? Uh, fishy? I don't know. But do you think something. they were tangoing? I don't think they were tangoing. No. Um, I. But they were together somewhere other than headquarters. Let's let's put it that way. That's the way I look at it. Because let's face it, we haven't seen lab coat out of her lab coat in a while, if ever. I don't. That's think. true. And she's also not wearing lipstick. Not wearing lipstick. Uh, yeah. Like I think she might have like little short pants on, maybe. I don't know. I can't remember. But she's very cash. Let's put it that way. And normally she's put together lab coat. So that's what leads me to believe that they were not at headquarters. Just the, the detective in me. Just I don't buy it. Just to play devil's advocate here. Mm-hmm. We do learn in a little bit that Gendo and Fiyutsuki weren't are, are out of the country. So maybe... Kaji and Ritsuko were wearing casual clothes to work because there was no one to, you know, look over their shoulder. Possible. Um, I don't know. I, I don't buy it because I, I just don't trust that guy. I don't trust him at all. And I think we've gotten uh, from past episodes, there's been a history between the three. Um, and he was very, you know, kind of flirtatious with her the first time they met. And she was a little coy with him. So something's definitely, definitely up. Uh, like I said, I don't, I don't trust Ponytail. I just don't. And, like, lab coat, not wearing the lab coat makes me suspect. <laughs> well, I think Misato and Asuka are on the same same team as you, because when okay. Kashi gives that excuse, they say, likely story. <laughs> yeah, they're not buying that for a minute. <laughs> Call it women's intuition, whatever you like, but we'll get, no, something's stinky in Denmark. Do you think that they are just suspicious, or do you think that there's a hint of jealousy there? Oh, oh, both. There's always both in everything. Um, yeah, I mean, for different reasons. But yeah, there's there's both calling him out on his bullshit and being a little bit jealous that it's not either one of them with him instead of lab coat. That is a tricky situation. It is. It is. We humans, we're very... <laughs> complicated indeed um so he just like everybody else he's giving her you know little compliments about her promotion and stuff and like making jokes about how he can't talk to her informally anymore and I think that's that's when Ritsuko reveals that Gendo and Fiyutsuki aren't in Japan at the moment correct and we switch over to um this aircraft carrier um 
in this. Did, did Rico say they were in the South Pole? Yes, she does. Yeah. And then, the, yes. And then they flash okay. to it. So we're in the South Pole, um, which is also where our opening scene was, because it says that it was in Antarctica, I believe. Yes, in the opener, yes. Yeah. Um, and we get this visual. Um, and if it looks familiar, it is the uh, inspiration for our podcast artwork. So... And and let's just uh, give a shout out to the person who designed that artwork. That would be uh, your co-host, my co-host, Nick, and all of his talent. Yeah, it was it was nothing, but I hope that everyone likes it. Put my heart and soul into that little tiny square <laughs> <laughs> that you can barely see. <laughs> But yes, yes, that is a good reference. It is, it is, that was the inspo. Um, So we get the aircraft carrier that's carrying this really long object. This thing's massive and it's wrapped in like a, like a tarp or something that's tied down. And like, we just like cut away from it after that. So they don't even bring it up. Um, And we get this very charming back and forth between Fiyutsuki and Gendo on just like just kind of crazy philosophies and stuff yeah 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 um but gloves says something and I'm pretty sure it was him that says um that science is man's power there and there are a lot of like you can go back and forth with with gloves but I think you know we're starting to see like there is depth to him and what he's thinking and he's obviously like thought about these these larger concepts of things and you know i maybe he's doing all this for the good or i i don't know but i, I some of the things that he said and the way that he's looking at the bigger picture um i hate to say it but gloves is kind of I don't know. He's making sense to me, which I don't know. Is, is, I don't know. is that crazy? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if you should ever be in <laughs> gloves aside. <laughs> I don't know. Sometimes I just, I, I like villains. <laughs> try to play devil's advocate. I mean, you know, but like I said, it just he's just had a, a few uh, quotes that, that have really stuck in my mind. And science is man's power. I mean, you have to, science doesn't lie and, and we have to trust it. And so, you know, anybody who explores that is A-OK in my book. But yeah. It all depends on how you use it, but I think anyone who's willing to seek that out, you gotta you gotta give them credit. So yeah, and you were right. He says that uh, man is protected by the power of science, and that it makes up for its limited strength with science. Mm-hmm. And Fiutsky combats him with saying that that arrogance is what caused the tragedy 15 years ago, the second impact. Hmm. So is that implying that we got a little bit too big for our britches? I think so. And and not only that, I think it's also starting to lay the groundwork that, you know, Gendo and Fiutsuki really have very differing differing views on the world and how they should approach things. Yes. And number two has has voiced his concern, his severe concern about a lot of things that have been going on. So, yeah, they fundamentally seem to be (laughs) on opposite sides of the fence here. But, you know, I guess maybe that's some sort of balance that they're looking for. I don't know. I don't know. But, um, and, you know, Gendo says, you know, that we pay dearly for it. 
Um, and they you know they're looking over the sea, and you know the the sea's red. It's red and like purple and pinkish. Um, those aren't ice, aren't icebergs in the water. Those are salt piles. And you have like the nice like the Royal Borealis is in the North Pole, so I don't know what the South Pole one is, or if there even is one. But anyways, there's one of those things there, which is nice. Called a light show. <laughs> light show. Um, I think I took down two quotes from them um, because Gendo talking about you know the scenery here with no life, just the water, the salt, the sky. He says, uh, and yet it is a pristine world untainted by original sin. And Futsuki responds by saying, "I prefer a world filled with humans, sinful though it may be." Hmm. What's your take on that? It's a big one. It is a big yeah. one. I mean, it's hard. It's hard to, you know, there's a lot of evil in the world, so it's hard to say for sure who who is right here. Sometimes you, some days I'm sure you feel like you're on Gendo's side, and others you think, you know, maybe Futsuki has it right. It's it's the the chicken or the egg, I guess. You know, I mean. And it's it's again why this is such a, a good show and can be relevant to a lot of things. Like these are these are issues that we still grapple with as a society. You know what what is our impact as human beings on our planet, and what what is our impact on each other, and and where can that go, and can it go too far? I mean, these are the questions that we're always asking. And I think this is one of the great things about this show is that it gets you to think about different you know kind of deeper level stuff than just your average you know anime show so i think that yeah it's it's this very small scene between the two of them says a lot yeah i mean and this is obviously obviously our world's a lot different than theirs but i mean they're both just shit shows (laughs) (laughs) yes Yes, which I guess is a reflection, too, of how things are today, you know? I mean, the people in power aren't always the right people. Just because they're there doesn't mean they should be. And these two, although, you know, they're powerful, but what are they going to do with it? And and both of them have very different ideas as to what to do with it. So it'll be interesting to see. Well, I don't like being neutral on things. Um Traditionally, I'm a very pessimistic person, and I'd probably side with Gendo. But today, I'm feeling Fiyutsuki, and if I can paraphrase Lord of the Rings, there's some good in this world, and it's worth fighting for. Amen. I was wondering when we were going to get our first Lord of the Rings reference. Well, here it is. There it here is. Here it is. Episode 12. Write it down, listeners. Write it down. It won't be the last time. <laughs> That's for sure. Uh, I guess, full disclosure, I tend to be a more optimistic person. Uh, not always, but I, I like to think that there is a lot of good out there. And that if we learn to harness it and we could do a lot of good things with it. But <laughs> there's always a tipping point. There's always a tipping point. And I think Gendo is just trying to minimize that tipping point. And like you said, there, there are days you feel like a nut and sometimes you don't. <laughs> so, yep. A lot, yeah. lot of deep stuff here. A lot of deep stuff. Yeah. But that's that's my stance. Worth fighting for. Doing good. Keep it Amen. up. Amen. Amen. Um, so we cut away from them and we see, um, 
our angel for the episode, and it is... <laughs> it's something else. <laughs> wow, lost for words. Uh, I gotta say, this one is one of my faves. Probably number one, and for nostalgic reasons. But uh, since we've we've seen it at this point, let's t- let's introduce them. This angel is Saquiel. Um, and that is the angel of the sky. That's its meaning. Oddly They're enough, such turds. <laughs> <laughs> I hate them. I hate them how they they like make their names make a little bit of sense every time. <laughs> yep, every time they don't. They know what they're doing. They know what they they're doing. These showrunners. Um, it's it's meaning is the ingenuity of God, which I love that word ingenuity. It's it's just it's a great word. Um, yeah, it does. Um, a lot of things, and, and this angel comes up quick. It comes up out of the sky, and my attachment to it is, um, I. <laughs> those of you who know me, I'm a huge Dave Matthews fan, and I could swear that one year, circa the 90s, there was a concert shirt that had a very similar design on it. <laughs> And if you're out there, if you have it or something close, please send me a picture. That would be great. Uh, but I don't know. That's why I felt a connection to this one. And I think, yeah. it, 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 again, the, the three, the symbolism of the three, two, after we just saw the three pilots, is, is that something that, that is, is significant? I don't know. But these angels, they're crazy. And they're I crazy. believe this is the 10th angel, if, if I'm not mistaken. Although we, there are some. That sounds right. Yes. Yes, it is. <laughs> yes. How could you ever doubt yourself? I mean, not that I do very often, but uh, yeah. So there's a lot of special things about this angel, too. Um, one is that, and I don't know that we've seen this part yet, but um, it, it's able to jam their communication systems, correct? Yes, I believe it does that you know, because it destroys the satellites that are around it with its AT field. Mm-hmm. Now, just just to refresh, um, AT field stands for what again? Absolute terror. Absolute <laughs> terror, right. So the stronger your AT field, the more terrifying you are. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so this thing is obviously, like, very powerful, just, like, crushes the satellites around it. Um, and if I can backstep a second to your Dave Matthews in that shirt, are you suggesting, and this might be the first time this is ever suggested, not <laughs> confirmed, that Dave Matthews is an Indiana Genesis Evangelion fan? <laughs> and he was like, I, if, I want that on a shirt. <laughs> if that is the case, Dave, if you were listening, if that is the case, please, please let us know. Full Impact Podcast at gmail.com. Um, I don't know. Maybe it is because it, if because th- this came out in 97, correct? Yes, and that was right around the beginning of my touring days. So it's it's very possible. It's possible that he was watching it somewhere and got inspired and it was on a shirt. But let me know. Yeah. <laughs> Heard it so here Dave, first, folks. <laughs> you did. And Dave, if you're listening, we love you. <laughs> so this angel there each time they're they're very unique. There's no two angels are even you know, somewhat similar. Um, it starts dropping pieces of itself um, as like bombs. Yeah. Which is, I probably would have never even thought of that concept myself. 
No, but it's it's very interesting and it's it's kind of cool and it's something that we haven't seen in any other angel and that's one thing to point out that you you know that you did point out that they're all different that this is none of them are the same except for the core they all have a solitary core that's uh, true ex- except for um I believe uh I can't remember the name of the angel but the one that splits in two for the the twins mm-hmm. they had dual cores but that was only because there were there were two of them but the the one the one commonality is that they all have this core correct? yeah and I think that that core was just split in half so correct. it wasn't yeah. it wasn't even that they had two whole cores right 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 which is why they had to destroy them at the same time got it um <laughs> they try to kill it with N2 mines in the sky, which just, just blows my mind. Like, can you imagine seeing nuclear weapons just going off in the atmosphere willy-nilly? And also, we're getting a little new, Cappy. I mean, you've tried these guys on them a few times now to no avail. So are you just, I mean, why are you wasting these nukes? <laughs> I mean, like, it, it, they've been unsuccessful up until this point. So why why are we trying again, fellas? Like, let's save it for real coordinated missions instead of just, yeah, willy-nilly throwing mines everywhere. I think it's just the arrogance of man. I mean, this angel isn't uh, really near Tokyo 3 yet, so this is probably just like a government agency elsewhere that's like, ah, we can take care of it ourselves, and, you know, they're just wasting their time. But maybe I'm wrong, but that's my take. That's what we're here for, our takes. Mm -hmm. I'll take it. Um, and so they ask what the Magi suggests. Um, so we get, you know, another reference to the Magi, and it says that all three of them suggest evacuation, which is pretty unanimous. Right. And if we <laughs> if we remember back, uh, just to just to refresh, uh, the Magi is made up of three components. Correct. It's basically like a like a supercomputer that makes decisions. Right. Indeed. Okay. Um, and also, I think it's worth noting, and I, I'm pretty sure that they mentioned this uh, back at the party, but because uh, gloves and number two are gone, that leaves Masato in charge at this point. She's she's heading up this operation, so it's kind of on her to make these decisions. I mean, she just got this new promotion, and this is her first you know, go at it, but I think it's worth noting that she is she's leading the show here. Now question then with that in mind do you think that gendo and fiutsuki promoted her so that they could leave and have her be in charge do you think it was like a red tape thing yeah i think it was calculated i think everything he does is for a reason um and if he's gonna leave anybody and who else would he leave in charge ponytail <laughs> <laughs> let's not get crazy now <laughs> i mean come on but uh, I think it's all deliberate. Everything that he's doing is 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 a deliberate choice. So yeah, I, and I, and I don't think you know as we mentioned before, I don't think the rank and the promotion mean much or have a lot of effect on her decision making. She's she's in this for other reasons besides promotions and and you know accolades. Yeah, I think, but I think that's partially the reason why she doesn't really care about it because I think she kind of knows that it was just there so that they could put her in charge and not, you know, be like, oh, we left the we left the major in charge instead of the captain, you know, just like a right. higher ranking official. Yeah, I mean, I have titles are important to you. Yeah, but I mean, it's not like she. I mean, she's done plenty of, you know 
she's had plenty of accomplishments, but nothing like super recently where you'd be like, oh, you were promoted for this specific reason. I think they just did it so that they could leave and have her run the show. I I think it's all all part of the gloves plan. Yes, very tricky plan. Mm. So we get Misato and Ritsuko in the bathroom having some girl talk. Uh, Ritsuko is not happy with her plan. It has a 0.00001% chance of success. <laughs> to which Misato says, but it's not zero. <laughs> so you're telling me there's a chance. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Yeah, I, she's got moxie, man. She's got moxie. I mean, anybody else would just be like, well, yeah, everybody wants to give up. She does not want to give up. Um, and, and she's like, we've said time and time again, she's a badass bitch. Yes. Um, and, you know, Misato says, you know, it's her job to defeat the angels. She's just doing her duty. And Risco is like, that's bullshit. <laughs> You're doing this for yourself. You want revenge against the angels. Mm. Door flung open. Mm-hmm. And in this moment, we understand the title of the episode, which again is, she said, don't make others suffer for your personal hatred. Now those words have much more meaning. Indeed. So, stone unturned. Moving yep. on. <laughs> yep. No. Um, another line that I really liked is that, I think Misato says it, she says, miracles are only worth a damn when you make them happen yourself. She does say that, and it is a, a great line. Because miracles, well... I won't go into it. <laughs> but yes, I think I think more often than not, we make our own luck. Let's put it that way. So I agree with her on this one. And if, if there's that slight chance, if it's your life's work and if it's something that you're passionate about, you, you got to risk it. Otherwise, all that passion, all that work, it doesn't mean much, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I don't know, this that line just like stuck with me. Watching it through this time. I really like it. Might be my favorite Misato line so far. How did? Um, So then we go to this room. And I think we... I don't know if we've seen this room before. But it's like positioned above the geofront with a glass floor. It's super cool. Probably terrifying. But really cool. Um, And that's where they're having their little mission briefing. um, Which apparently is... This is basically a suicide mission. Essentially, yes. I mean, before, at least we thought there was like, you know, one shot, you get one shot at this. This one's like, you're basically going in there and you're never coming back. Yeah. Um, Shinji asked Misato, you know, what if the angel veers off course? And Misato's like, you die. And then Asuka's like, what if we can't withstand the impact? And she's like, then you die. (laughs) Pretty simple. (laughs) Pretty simple, yeah. And they're like, what are our odds? And then she's like, heaven only knows, you might say. (laughs) (laughs) Like, your guess is as good as mine, girl. (laughs) I have no idea. I'm guessing you're never coming back, but hey, there's a chance. There's Mm -hmm. a chance. But there's an upside, because if you guys do survive, I'll take you out for a steak dinner. (laughs) This is something I just can't let go of. Like, (laughs) okay, I'm going to ask you to go on this suicide mission, and on the absolute slim chance that you come back, the only thing I'm going to get is a steak dinner. (laughs) 
I feel like I'm getting the raw end of the deal on that one. Uh, pardon the pun. But yes. <laughs> I was like, a steak dinner? They're kids. What are they I know. Steak dinner for? Like, I don't know. Take them to like an amusement park or something. So, like, <laughs> these kids don't want steak. They just Disney land or world in japan or universal studios Maybe that's still operating <laughs> seriously there's got to be something better than that but a steak dinner even as an adult i have that still for risking my life is not worth it yeah um and she gives them the opportunity to write their wills because they're like probably gonna die yeah which they never had they never asked them to do that before so Apparently, this mission is a quite a bit more dangerous than their previous ones. Yeah, and and you would think with such a high risk position that you know you would have done this before you even started any of these missions. But I mean, these kids are they're, they're kids. What, what could they possibly have to leave in a will? That's that was what I was wondering. Like, I know. <laughs> I mean, they don't own any property. They don't have any cars. They don't have any kids. Like, what what do you need a will for? I, I don't know. I, Between I the guess. three of them, they have like three friends and no family. <laughs> yeah, and like Asuka's just got a bunch of cardboard boxes that she moved, but we never knew what was really in them. Shinji's only got his you know Walkman, which <laughs> let's face yeah. it, isn't that important or isn't that valuable? At least not to anybody else. But yeah, I thought that was strange. But yeah, I guess but, it's just uh, driving home the point that this is that this might be the end for them. Yeah, but they I mean they're like, ah, no, we're good. No will needed. Yep, we're all set. Um, and I think this is Asuka makes a comment uh, saying that the second impact generation can't shake their impoverished upbringing. Ah. Whoa. What do you think that means? I think it's just like such a, you know, uh, not a culture difference, but a generational difference between, you know, even, I mean, they're one generation apart. Right. Pretty much. But the differences in how they've grown up, their quality of life is just black and white. I mean, I I, I actually, in my notes, wrote down like a, a Gen X millennial type of... <laughs> conflict you know um because there are there are a lot of uh, there's always going to be different you know cultural things that happen and i think one of the things that's that's important to know is that like during this time so many things were were being developed you know the internet cell phones all of that stuff so that's why i think they they make such a point of this in the in the show is because technology and things were moving really quickly uh, around that time and uh it, it's it's interesting to look back and and keep in mind this is supposed to be happening happening like five years ago in, in real time like and i think it's just kind of cool to have all of those different time periods coming together but it there's always that generational difference no matter what you know generation you ascribe to there's always going to be a conflict in some way with with the others yeah, I mean, when the second impact happened, like Kaji and Misato and Ritsuko, they were pre- pretty much the same age as Shinji and Asuka are right now. Yeah. And they grew up with, they started off with just like a, you know, worldwide catastrophe that killed half the population of the whole world. Yeah. <laughs> then they had a few years of civil wars and just political wars throughout the remaining countries that are still operating um you know society is just trying to string itself together just trying to get some sort of you know foundation again uh 
But these kids, you know, they've known up until a few months ago when the third angel attacked, they'd known nothing but peace, pretty much. Yep. Yep. And it's the same, too, when you think about uh, economies. Everything is cyclical. Everything, you know, things happen that start a chain of events that then turn into a whole other chain of events. And everything has to do with, um, you know, and in this case, it was it was one specific event, Uh, but it changes you. It changes society. And and it takes time to repair that but if you never really knew the damage you're kind of ignorant of what what the real impact of it was yeah snap 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 <laughs> support <laughs> I, um we also quickly find out that ray doesn't eat meat i was just thinking that i i wrote down is anybody surprised that ray's a vegetarian <laughs> I don't know. She just seems like the type of person that wouldn't eat meat. Yeah, I'm like, if I, was a, I don't know. I'm like, Ray, you're so cool. You don't get enough credit. <laughs> she's, she's unique. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. One of a kind. Yeah, and then, oh my gosh, they're talking about how Misato inferred their positioning on the map, <laughs> and she's just like, intuition, women's intuition. <laughs> Hey, there is such a thing. Yeah, I, is that the? It's just like I don't know the way she delivers it. Just like, <laughs> duh. Like, what else would I use? I know. I say that, but I absolutely wrote that that same thing down. It, it's <laughs> I don't know. It's so funny because even Asuka is like, what? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> hey, when you know, you know, and yeah. she's a natural born leader. Like she just, she, she has a knack for this. There's something to be said about just an inherent knowledge of things. I mean, you know, you look at athletes, there's just an natural ability. You can't explain it. You don't know where it comes from. It's just there. And I think the same thing holds true of Misato. There's just something in her that knows what the right thing to do is. And I don't think that she would put these kids in such a difficult situation if she wasn't somewhat sure that it was going to work out. I mean, yes, the odds are not in her favor, but I think we've seen she does really care about these kids and she puts a lot of faith in them and she puts a lot of she knows that if they, you know, execute her plan the way she tells them to that there shouldn't be any problem. So there's like a mutual respect there that I think that we're that's starting to develop between the kids and her. Yeah, I mean, of course she's sure it's going to work. She's 0.00001% sure it's going to work. Exactly. <laughs> Telling me there's a chance. There's a chance. Um, so as they're going down the elevator, Shinji asks Asuka why she pilots the Ava. And before she answers, she's like, you know, why don't you ask Ayanami? Like, why didn't you ask her first? Um, you know, aren't you guys, like, all chummy? Do you think that she says that because she's trying to poke and prod to be like I don't know like figure out if he has a thing for Ray yeah I I think it's definitely a fact finding you know poke the bear sort of situation she's also probably she's interested but she doesn't want to directly ask her because I think she's kind of done with Ray because she hasn't given her the attention that she requires but I think I think undercover yeah she's she's looking to see what their interaction is and I feel like Shinji's asked Asuka this before and she may reference that too so maybe part of it is like stop asking me why don't you ask her kind of thing you know Uh, 
I think there's a lot of different reasons. And I, I don't know how how devious, and I guess devious is a bad word, but how uh, how much Asuka is really thinking hard into these situations. She just says what's on the top of her mind a lot of the time, I think, too. So I don't know how much real intent is behind it, but all of these scenarios could be true. Yeah, and obviously Shinji has already asked Ray this question, so now she's asking Asuka. Mm-hmm. Um, and she says, "So the world can witness my extraordinary ta- extraordinary talents." But I think that would be more accurate if she said, "So she can show the world her extraordinary talent." And what was the wording she used? She said, "So the world can see her talent." I think it says she can show the world her talent. I think it's her. I think she pilots it so that she can try and prove to the world that she is of worth, not so that the world can bask in her worth. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I, I don't think that she is doing it for honorable reasons. I don't think she's like, oh, I'm, I'm in it to save the world, or I'm in it for... No, I'm in it so that everybody knows that I can do it. Um, I think it's like, it's not like oh, look, world, look at me, look how great I am. I think it's more, it's her saying, world, please tell me how great I am. Because okay. I need it. All right. But, hey, that's Nick's take. <laughs> <laughs> if you have a take, we'd love to hear it. Yeah, for sure. Um, so we got them all starting off in their little spots here. Um, is this... When does Misato talk about her father? After this, I believe. After it? Yes. After their little lineup? Yes. Where they're in their, their little spots here? Yeah, where she's showing them. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Okay. Good. So, yeah. Okay, yeah. So, we fade into it. I was just, like, a couple seconds behind there. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah. So, she reveals that her father was a man who was absorbed with his research. um, A spineless man. And that she hated him. Mm. And also that her her mother left him and she was in full support of her mother doing so. Yeah. uh, I wrote... With big underlines, daddy issues. <laughs> oh, oh yeah. <laughs> Here we go. Um, and I think this could be something that, if we hadn't said before, might be kind of clearer now, is that both Shinji and Misato have some, some daddy issues. And uh, maybe that's part of the reason. I think different different issues, but uh, it, it, it gives them a bit of a connection. And she's pretty harsh about her dad. I mean, she doesn't mince any words talking about him. No, not at all. And I think if I can actually find it somewhere, I think it's in the first episode when Misato is Misato and Shinji are in the like train car thing. Um, she says something to him about Gendo that they're like going to meet him, and she says something along like lines of that Shinji like doesn't get along with his father, and she said like like. Basically, that we're the same in that way. Yes, yes, she does mention that. 
she does mention that. And it's worth noting, she, she does tell the kids, and I think it's right around this point, where the safest place to be for them is inside these machines, let's face it. I mean, they have a way of protecting themselves that nobody else does. So although it could end up being a suicide mission, she is kind of trying to keep them safe, too. So... I don't know. I, I think I just love her. I just love her. <laughs> I think she's just so great because I, I don't know. And I don't know if I'm just putting my own spin on her decision making. And I guess that's what I'm here to do is put my own spin on it. But I, I hope that everybody else agrees that she just I think she's like we've said before, she's she's one of the characters in this in this series that I think has the most depth, the most um, you know, the the biggest impact, pardon the pun, on most of the other cast members. And so I, I just think she's badass. She is badass. Yeah. Um, and so we find out that, you know, despite this hate that she had for him and his lack of just being there as a father figure, he gave his life to save her. And that was the scene we saw in the beginning of the episode. Mm-hmm. And because of that... You know, she's kind of made it her life goal to destroy the angels so that she can kind of absolve herself of this, like, guilt that, you know, her dad has, like, one up on her. You know, like, she owes him something, and she just wants to get rid of that. Yeah. Uh, it's it's got to, it, it's it's difficult for her and and revenge is a u- word they use a lot and I, I think in a way and she she said that he kind of like lived in his own dreams I think was was the words that she used and mm-hmm. I, I think she's a she's a woman of action and this guy didn't seem and, and again we don't know him but she gives the impression that he's a weak man that she didn't you know that, that she was happy her mom left and and so that's I think why she's developed into such a you know go after it type of person she didn't want to live in her dream she wanted to live in reality and these things destroyed them she doesn't want it to happen again so that's what her mission that's what her motivation is yeah. And, you know, going with her father being, uh, you know, absorbed into his work, it reminds me a little bit of Gendo and Ritsuko. Yeah. They seem pretty, pretty similar in that aspect. You don't really yeah. see any, other than Misato and Ritsuko hanging out, we don't really see any sign of a personal life. No, none. None. And I I just, that's, again, uh, part of the reason why I think we're seeing such a connection between Miss M and Shinji. And and Shinji finally has someone he can relate to in this in this situation, although the her dad is gone. um, She understands where he's coming from because they're just so singularly focused on their their idea of of the way the world should be that everybody else kind of gets pushed out of the way. And and she doesn't want to see that happen to him. Yeah. It's good that they have each other. I'm, like, going to get emotional if I keep talking about it. (laughs) (laughs) And it's always over, like, uh, they have these deep conversations in pretty cool spots, you know? It's, like, right around daylight time and (laughs) on these high hills. They got this, like, golden hour effect going on. Yeah, just great. These these conversations come at a great time. Yeah. So then we have the mission start. Um, We get the line that becomes pretty iconic for Shinji, um, him telling himself, don't run away, don't run away. Um, And, you know, and then they go. The angel starts approaching and, you know, they start sprinting away. And, like, again, I pointed out before, but they're the Avas. They just run so smooth, you know, they're not robotic at all. They're like 
uh, you know, hurtling over wires and just like leaping. And then at one point, Shinji just like fucking books it and like breaks the sound barrier or some shit as he runs through. Yep. No, they're great. And and they're very like all of their joints moving and just everything is so lifelike. It, it's very impressive. Um, and then Shinji is the one that, you know, gets into the estimated place of impact first. And he you now he was like, you know, full AT field. And, it, you know, they're like stance he takes is so powerful and it just like blows everything away from him. Like all the houses that are right next to him, just like, you're gone. Yep. And, and do you think that, you know, the testing kind of set us up for this particular attack, like pushing Shinji's limits? I don't know. I don't know if it was that or just to, you know, remind us that Shinji is constantly improving. Um but at the same point, it makes me wonder if, you know, if Ray had gotten there first or Asuka, would their AT field would have been able to withhold the angel for as long as he did? Because, I mean, this thing's massive. It's coming real hot. And, you know, for a few seconds or he holds it all by himself. Yes, he does. He does. And if we think back to the Magma Diver episode, he reaches down, you know, Sand's special suit and just gets Asuka out of there. So he he's pretty powerful. So maybe that, it, it, he is. He is improving. He, he is and at a very quick rate as well. Yeah. And, you know, he's as he's holding it before they get there, his like his arm, like his forearm, like explodes. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, and that's and they don't show him in there. But I mean, he he feels that, you know, and I I don't know what that feels like, but I imagine it's not pleasant. It can't possibly be pleasant. It's like probably like breaking a bone, shattering a bone. Yeah. Um, but, you know, and we get the triple threat here and just another. I forget how many examples there are in the show of the three of them working well together. Uh, and this is one of them. You know, they work as a perfect team. Shinji holds the angel up. Ray gets rid of the AT field. Asuka stabs it, takes it down. Mm-hmm. Seamless. Yep. I mean, they're getting better and better at this each time. And they're able to combat whatever these angels are throwing at them in a very quick period of time. I mean, they're throwing the M's throwing the plans together and the kids are executing it like flawlessly. So, yeah, it's, it's definitely apparent that they're getting better at this. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they win. You know, that's the end of that angel. Um, and then we switch post post battle here. Their comms are back up. Um, they're speaking with Gendo, and Gendo asks if the Unit One pilot is present. He doesn't ask if Shinji's pilot present. It's just Unit One pilot. And you know, as he patches him through, he says this line, and like this is just another one of these lines that is going to come up again. It's going to stick in your brain. He says, "Good work, Shinji." Wow. So that's it. Yeah, because we have not heard that yet. Like, as a matter of fact, he's done pretty much everything to avoid having any contact with Shinji whatsoever. I mean, he stood him up in the elevator that time. And like, there's been plenty of times where it's it's clear he doesn't have a whole lot of respect for Shinji. This is the first time that we've heard any kind of praise from him to someone other than Ray. So it is pretty shocking. Yeah, and you know, and we had 
Ritsko, Misato, the other team members praising him at the test the other day, and it had no effect. But this one quick, almost impersonal line from Gendo has just like leaving him, leaving him shook. He shooketh. He is shooketh to the choreth. <laughs> mm-hmm. For sure. But I mean, that's that's to be understood because I think that you know, that's your dad. And yeah, it's it's not just you know some boss you have or your your commanding officer. I mean that's that's your dad and it's one of the more it's the most important person to get that validation from. Uh, and I think he finally got it and he's never felt that before. No, so. I mean he came to Nerf in the first place in hopes of basically getting this, and now he's finally you know twelve episodes in he's gotten his first taste of it. And I, I think that it's going to be like that first days of anything you're going <laughs> to maybe want it again. <laughs> yeah. But I, I was happy for Shinji. I, I really, I, I even wrote, I'm like, oh, that's great, Gloves. Like, th- that's what the kid needed. He, he needed to hear that. And I think it, 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 it maybe it's going to flip some kind of switch in him. We'll see. Yeah, maybe. Maybe he was better off without it. Who knows? We'll find out. I guess Stay we're going to have yeah. to see. Yep. Yep. <laughs> uh, so Asuka brings them to ramen instead of steak for dinner. <laughs> right, because didn't they didn't they think that it was too much money? Like, she's yeah. on the train and she's like, oh my god, I'm going to spend my rent on this this dinner. <laughs> yeah, and Asuka's like, don't worry, we know how empty your bank account is, Misa. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, she could have done it a little bit more subtly, but I appreciate that the kids and they didn't want the steak anyway, you know, so yeah. might as well get something that you want after you just save the world again. <laughs> and, you know, this way, Ray, Ray gets to come, too, because she can get a vegetarian dish. That's right. That's right. And so many different uh, combos of ramen that we are introduced to as well. Yeah. Um, additionally, in this quick scene, we also like this is the first instance I've really seen where Asuka was actually considerate in her decision making. Exactly. Exactly. And I think a couple times in this episode, first with, you know, her finding a friend in class rep and now being, you know, conscious of Miss M's financial situation. Yeah, she's she's starting to, to be less of a mean girl and more of a team player. Yeah, so they're they're all have their growth. They're all getting there. They grow up so fast. Takes time, but it it happens. Um, and Shinji reveals that you know he he's found out that he pilots because he wants to be praised, uh, specifically by Gendo. And Asuka's like, "You really are an idiot." Like, <laughs> <laughs> and, and I also kind of. <laughs> dig this little scene when he's talking about that that there's like this still on M and she's just got noodles like hanging out of her mouth <laughs> like she's, she's not even like actively eating she's like listening so much to what he's saying that she's not even saying there it's kind of funny <laughs> yeah she's she's adorable she's everything you want in a character agreed but after that, it cuts the black, and that's the end. And that is the end. So, yeah, as we mentioned, there's there was a lot happening in this one, and it's only going to get more in-depth as we go. Um, but I will say that we are very appreciative of all of our listeners taking the time to, to listen to new episodes every week. We are very happy to do it. And next week, episode is 13, correct? Correct, Lindo. Um, the two names are Angel Invasion 
and Lilliputian Hitcher. Yeah, whatever that means. Whatever that means. So, again, we're going to have a lot to learn in this next episode. So, um, keep doing what you're doing out there, listeners. Subscribe to us. If you haven't already, leave us a comment, a review. uh, Share it with your friends. Shoot us an email, if you like, at fullimpactpodcast at gmail.com. I am one of your hosts, Allison. And with me, as always, the masterful. Nick. Oh, that might be my favorite so far. <laughs> Took <laughs> yes, me a while. <laughs> that is me. <laughs> All right. Well, until next time. Until next time. <laughs>